0: Thank you once again for tuning into our Wednesday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for each of our listeners to so welcome our homeschoolers, those using this for chapel service. We certainly thank the Lord for each and every one of you, and I thank the Lord for our commuters, those that listen on the way to work, way home from work. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, the Lord's been good to us, and we're in our third week of meetings in a row, and uh, we've been traveling up in Maine, down in North Carolina, now we're in western New York here at the Black Creek Baptist Church. Lord willing, will have church tonight at 7 o'clock, and then in the morning again at 10 o'clock, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Friday night at 7 o'clock. And we certainly thank the Lord for his goodness in these meetings. Thanks the Lord for the opportunity to preach with Brother Rose once again. And I hope you can tune in and listen to the messages. They're on onesouletatatime.net under special services or special meetings. I'm not sure what the tag says, but I think it'll be a help to you if you can tune in and listen. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. Again, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He begins to minister, begins to preach, and he says, "Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not." And what do they repented of? The days of Jesus Christ. And I realize, you know, you go back to the old songs, you go back to the old writers, and everybody says, "You repent of all your sins." For thus it is commanded for you to enter him. You know, and these are not, these are cities. These are not individuals. Do cities have sins? Well, we understand that there was an offering for the sin of all of Israel. There's an atonement made for all of Israel. We know that. We know that's been completed in Jesus Christ today. But does God judge a city for their sin? Well, Jesus Christ is preaching against those cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. They would not still turn to him. And the reality of it is, and, and I hear different disputings about this and different arguments about this, and I've stood pretty firm on this over the years, but repentance is just a change of mind. I would agree with the editor of the Sword of the Lord on that. But the problem is they use it as an occasion why their converts live wickedly. They use as an occasion, oh, they just changed their mind about Jesus Christ. It's kind of like flipping a switch. Oh, I changed my mind about Jesus. And if it is that flippant, you can change your mind back again. Today I believe Jesus, tomorrow I don't. I'm still saved because I repented. No, the reality is when you change your mind, your direction follows, and it's a permanent change. If your mind changes, you're not going to be swayed again in that area, and that's why most people are lost. They've never changed their minds about their relationship with God, their standing with God. They've never changed their ideas and their ideals and their historical understanding of God. Why? Because they will not repent. They will not come to a place where they just agree with God and disagree with themselves. Uh, Most people love themselves more than they love God. They love their ideals more than they love the Word of God. They love their reasoning more than the Word of God. I've watched men years ago when I was a lost man argue over the Bible in bars, and I've watched them over at sports events. Since I've been saved, I've had homeless people rebuke me and correct me, people living on the streets and drunkenness and addicts. And I used to go preach at the rescue mission, and men would hold their ears and run out because I'd be preaching against this modern Pentecostal heresy and charismatic heresy of today. Why? Because it's in their mind that that's what it is. That's what God wants. That's the way these cities were. These are his own. This is the Jewish people. This is his own people. He's gone to preach to them. They would not receive him. Uh, They received him not. And so now he tells them, basically, there's a woe to you cities. Why? You would not repent. Were there individuals in those cities that repented? Yes, there were. No doubt there are those that came to him. There's those that follow Jesus Christ. Everywhere the Gospels is preached, there are those that usually, one here, one there, two here, they follow Jesus Christ. But those cities would not follow him. Why? Because they're steeped in their tradition. They're steeped in their ideals. And when John was the forerunner of Christ, they listened to John but would not take heed. When Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry, again, they would not take heed. And so he calls them, calls them to repentance, and he gives a woe unto them because they repented not. And this says, woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And that's Jesus Christ is saying it. That is God himself saying that to them. If they had seen these works, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes, but not you. Even Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes. Why? The preaching of Jonah. He preached Jesus Christ to them. He preached the impending judgment upon that city. You say he preached Jesus Christ. Read Jonah chapter 2. That is no doubt prophecy of Jesus Christ. And I realize it's in the whale's belly, but when did he come out preaching? He came out preaching the things he had seen and heard. That's what prophets did. He says, woe unto thee. There's a woe. They're going to be destroyed because they would not repent. He tells them the cities you look down on, the cities that you think so lowly of, they, they would have come to repentance had they seen the works done, but I didn't go to them. I came to my own and they would not receive me. He says, by saying to you, it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. They had Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. They had Jesus Christ himself in front of them. It wasn't just a matter of faith. They had sight and faith and they could see him. They could have believed based on what they saw. They saw the miracles. They saw the blind healed. They saw the lepers healed. They saw Jesus Christ spit on the clay and touch a blind man's eyes. They saw the dead raised again. They saw the miracles of God, but would they repent? No, they would not. They said, well, certainly we need to look at this again. Certainly, you know, this kind of goes against our core values. This certainly goes against the teachings of the, of the synagogue. And therefore, we can't accept this man. He says, and thou Capernaum, again, more judgment, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. Where's he at? He's in Capernaum. He's his own. He's preaching to his own people, the people he knew, the people he was raised with, the people that saw him in that carpenter shop, the people that saw him as that young boy, And now he's preaching to them and he's telling them, you've been exalted unto heaven, but guess what? You're going to be brought down to hell. And that's the way a lot of religion is. A lot of churches are, they've exalted up to heaven, but they're going to be brought down to hell. Many shall say to me in that day, who are those many? They're religious people. People raised with the King James Bible, people raised in a Baptist church many times. People raised in a Bible-believing, fundamental, King James-only Baptist church, and yet they'll be brought down to hell because they would not believe by the very works they saw of Jesus Christ. And I realize a lot of folks have seen false works and lying works. And you see somebody that's been saved and their life never changes. Nobody touts them as salvation. You look at that work, but yet you're obligated to obey the word of God. You may say, well, you know, I don't see a salvation like you preach. I don't see a salvation like the, what you talk about. All I see is people that are saved that live just as wicked as I do. And I remember a man who said he got saved back in the 1980s. And he said when he was there at the altar, when he came off the altar, the first deacon that greeted him was a guy that went in his daddy's bar and drank. It doesn't negate whether that man need to repent or not. Just because that man was a drunkard in his daddy's bar doesn't mean that he didn't have a need. Yet there's a lot of young people dying and going to hell. Because they see the, all the offense. They see all the those against the gospel. They see all those that have gone against truth. They see religious people that are damning their own souls and damning their own families. And they think they're hypocrites and therefore they want nothing to do with church because of all the hypocrites that go there. But they go down to Walmart and they go down to... Tractor supplied, and they go down to 7-Eleven with all the hypocrites and think nothing of it. But they won't go to church. They're going to be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Capernaum, if they, he's, this is God speaking. He said, if they had have seen the works, Capernaum, that you have seen already, Sodom would be with us unto this day. The Sodomites would have repented. The wicked would have repented. The godless would have repented. Men destroyed their own lust would have repented. It's better for you, but Capernaum, but you will not repent. Why will you not repent? Because you don't believe the words that Jesus Christ spake. But I say unto you that it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. America is often called the land of Sodom today. Men preach the land of Sodom, but I guess the reality is my thinking that maybe we should start preaching on the land of Capernaum because we've had the truth. We've seen the miracles of God. We've seen great revivals. We've seen the great awakening, the second great awakening. We've seen revivals of God. We've seen stirrings of God. We've seen God sweep through the South. We've seen God sweep through the Mideast. We've seen God sweep through the North Atlantic. We've seen God sweep out in the Western states. We've seen periods of revival, times of revival, stirrings of God, movements of God. We've seen all the mighty works that God has done. We've seen souls save. We've seen lives changed. It's going to be better for the city of Sodom than it would be for the city of Capernaum, because they've seen these marvelous things, yet they would not repent. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom. They're not going to have as great a judgment as Capernaum is going to have, because they not only had the word of God, they saw the works of God, yet they would not repent. In verse 25, a new paragraph, he says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. So he has those following him that are babes. They have those followers. They just, by faith, they simply believe. They just believe the words of Jesus Christ. And that's where the ministry is today. It hasn't changed. That's never changed in all these years. It's hid from the wise and the prudent. There's men that scour the volumes of the books. There's men that scour volumes of books and writings, and they're searching for indispensable truths, and they're searching for nuggets of gold, yet they don't believe the word of God. And that's fool's gold. And you go to all the books and all the commentaries and you dig up nuggets and you find all these little things that nobody else is teaching. And if it's outside the word of God, it's fool's gold. It's chalcopyrite. It looks like gold, smells like gold, touches like gold. But you know what you got to do to find out if it's gold? You just got to take it to an expert. And the expert will say, nope, that's fool's gold. Doesn't take him half a second to sniff it out. You know, that's the way it is with the word of God. Folks come with these nuggets of gold they find in books, and they find in Puritan writings, and they find in, in holiness writings, and they come and say, man, look at this great truth. Look at this great this great thing i found, and oh, it's a wonderful And an expert, by the way, who's an expert? Those who believe God. They're an expert. Amen. You're an expert. Why? Because you have discernment from the Word of God, discernment in the Spirit of God, and the Holy Ghost bears witness in your heart that Jesus Christ indeed is Lord. And they bring that false doctrine. They bring those errors. They bring that folly. And they say, hey, is this real gold? And to an expert, it doesn't take you much at all. I see, just look at it and go, nope, that's not real gold. The word of God speaks that in a matter of a trumpet. That trumpet gives an uncertain sound. Who shall know the call to battle? When you're out in the battlefield, you need to hear a trumpet for you. And that your unit and your group. And you're going to charge when you hear that trumpet for you. But you hear the uncertain sound, you don't go to the battle. Why? Because the word of God is the only thing that's going to matter. The word of God is the only benchmark. And therefore, these things are hidden from the wise and the prudent. But who have been revealed to? They've been revealed, he said, unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. The Lord, was, it was good for him to do this. Jesus Christ is praying, of course, here. All things are delivered unto me of the Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And so who's going to know the Father? The Son, and to those whom the Son revealeth him. So Jesus Christ, his his converts, those that follow him, he's going to reveal the Father to them. That's never changed. And we live in a day now when men, they find a revelation of God, they find it in peculiar places, television, TV shows, books, comic strips, you know, they find some kind of new revelation from God. But do you realize that Jesus Christ himself will reveal the Father to you? And Jesus Christ himself will reveal the work of God to you. Why? Because that's what he does for his children. That's what he does for the saints of God. And so he's praying this to the father. He's telling the father, listen, I've I've come to Capernaum. They've ignored me. I've come to Chorazin. They've ignored me. Bethsaida has ignored me. They've not received my word. But Lord, those that come to me, I want to know why is cast out. And those that come to me by faith and believe the word of God, I'll reveal things to them that no one else can see because they're hid from the wise. They're hid from the prudent. You've revealed them to babes. Father, I'll reveal you to those that have no wisdom or understanding. But yet they're babes. And I'll reveal you to them. And they can know you. They can know me. They can know the power of the resurrection. They can have fellowship with us. Verse 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, and I will give you rest. In Capernaum, there's those that need rest. Cheruzin, there's those that needs rest. But Bethsaida, there's those that need rest. Who does he call? He's not coming to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And there's those that need to rest in Christ. And Lord willing, uh, this week sometime in this meeting we're in, maybe you already preached it by the time I do this podcast, you might have already preached it by the time this goes out on the air, and I want to deal with that matter of rest, entering into His rest. How does He give rest? Where does He give rest? He gives rest in Him. Why? He's rest. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And He said He's meek and lowly. And He said this. He said you should find rest under your souls. That's where He gives you rest. That's why you put your head on your pillow at night and have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. That's why you have the comfort of the Holy Ghost because He has entered you into His rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet there's so many resistant to the things of God. They're so afraid of what they'll lose, so afraid of the things they'll fall short of, so afraid that God's going to take things from them uh, that they want in their life. And they do not see that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It's not a burden for me to do the podcast. There's times it's difficult. It's not a burden. It's never weighed me down where I sit there and all wrung my hands. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I do a podcast. Oh, this is such a thing. I'm so busy. Oh, I got so much going on. No, there's times I have to do it late at night. Times I have to do it early in the morning. Times I have to run down quickly like I did today and just do it all of a sudden because I almost forgot about it because that's just me and my life. But the reality is, is his yoke is easy. This has never been a yoke upon me. I share this yoke with him. It's his word. It's his gospel. That's what we preach. Therefore, he makes it light. Why? Because he's proclaiming Jesus Christ. We're bragging about Jesus Christ. We're preaching Jesus Christ. And he's meek and he's lowly. He's willing to do for whosoever. Any man that cometh to him, he's willing to do for them what he's done for others. Why? Because he's meek and lowly at heart. He says you find rest unto your souls. He puts that rest upon your soul. It is a gift from God. And if you're weighed down, burdened down, caught up in the affairs of this life, caught up in unforgiveness, caught up in the bitterness of your soul, Jesus Christ can give you that rest. But you got to come unto him. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor, the labor of sin, the labor of seeking. He said, labor and are heavy laden. What's that heavy laden? It's that burden of sin. It weighs heavy upon your shoulders. It weighs heavy upon your back. But he said, if you'll come unto him, all you that labor and are heavy laden, he said, I will give you rest. That's a great promise from Jesus Christ. He will give you that rest. Have a great day, Lord. We'll be back tomorrow on the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up, for your redemption for all at night. The angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.